Mamma Mia subscribers, you've been asking and we've been listening. Now you can get all of your exclusive subscriber audio on Apple Podcasts. That includes everything from bonus episodes of your favourite pods to exclusive segments to all of our audio series. To link your Mamma Mia subscription to Apple Podcasts, open the Mamma Mia Out Loud page in your Apple Podcasts app and follow the prompts or head to help.mamamia.com.au. From Mamma Mia, hi, I'm Claire Murphy. Welcome to The Quickie, getting you up to speed daily. Last Thursday, Russian opposition leader Alexei Navalny was campaigning in Siberia. He grabbed a cup of tea in the airport before jumping on a plane and within a short time started to feel unwell. So unwell, they had to perform an emergency landing to treat his condition. What caused such a fast and violent reaction? A prominent Kremlin critic is in a coma fighting for his life in a German hospital. German doctors treating Russian opposition leader Alexei Navalny say he has been poisoned with the substance found in pesticides and nerve agents. From poisoned umbrellas to radioactive isotopes, today we look at Russia's suspected long-time love affair with poisoning its critics. Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move, and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. Last week, the Russian opposition leader was rushed to hospital after falling ill on a plane ride back from Siberia. While Russian authorities were quick to deny he'd been poisoned, the doctors who are now treating him in Germany disagree, saying the black tea he drank before boarding the plane was most likely laced with military-grade nerve agents. Navalny is reportedly in a coma and on a ventilator. This is not the first time he's been targeted. In 2017, he had a green antibiotic thrown on him that affected his eyesight. And in 2019, while in jail for organising protests, he's suspected to have been poisoned after suffering a severe allergic reaction that saw him break out in an extreme skin rash. This time, experts believe the unrest in Belarus, where protesters have been contesting the re-election of leader Alexander Lukashenko, believing he rigged the election that saw him receive just over 80% of the vote to secure his sixth term in power, as a reflection of what may happen in Russia, so Navalny's position in opposition makes him a threat. Surely this isn't real. Secret spies slipping poison into the teapot of a man who dares speak openly about corruption and tyranny by the ruling government. It seems more like a Bond movie than reality. But the reality is, Russia has a long history of political assassination, and many of those high-profile assassinations, which happen not just at home in the motherland but around the world, all feature the same method, poison. Back in 1978, Georgi Markov, a Bulgarian opposition activist, was waiting for a bus on Waterloo Bridge in London when he felt a sharp prick in his leg. He died three days later, doctors finding a deadly 1.7-millimetre pellet containing the poison ricin under his skin. When I first saw him, he was fully conscious. 
He was feverish, but he was also pointing uh, to an area on his right thigh, which he said was swollen and painful, and indicating that this was uh, the area in which he'd been shot, stabbed, or something had happened to him. The delivery method is believed to have been the tip of an umbrella. In 2003, journalist Yuri Shekhachikchin was writing about the influence of organised crime and corruption in Russia and was just days away from flying to the US where he planned to discuss the issues with the FBI when he died suddenly of a mystery illness. While his medical records have mysteriously disappeared, it appears he was poisoned with radioactive material, his organs failing, his hair falling out, skin peeling away. During the 2004 Beslan hostage siege, where Islamic militants protested the Russian occupation of Chechnya by taking more than 1,000 people hostage at a school, journalist Navaya Gazeta went to the scene to negotiate. She was a vocal critic of the war in Chechnya, so she knew she would be a target, refusing to eat anything on the plane. She did, however, drink tea, and just minutes later, fell ill. She survived her poisoning ordeal despite the vials of her blood that was supposed to be tested supposedly breaking during transportation. She was shot dead in the elevator of her apartment block two years later. That same year, during his election campaign, former Ukrainian president, a country with a long history of tensions with Russia, Viktor Yukoshenko, was confirmed to have ingested hazardous amounts of TCDD, a potent dioxin and contaminant in Agent Orange, which was used during the Vietnam War. His face would be disfigured from the poison, but he's since made a full recovery. He would go on to become president in January 2005. In 2006, former Russian spy agency officer Alexander Litvinenko had a cup of tea with the people believed to be his killers in the bar of central London's Millennium Hotel. He died three weeks later. He's believed to have been poisoned with radioactive polonium. Of the two men he met with, one, a former KGB officer turned businessman Andrei Lagovi, is now a deputy in Russia's state Duma. Vladimir Putin denied any involvement in the assassination and refused to extradite either man to face charges. But a British inquiry into the incident concluded there was strong evidence of Russian state responsibility and that President Putin probably approved the poisoning. I am sure that Mr Lugovoy and Mr Cofton placed the polonium 210 into the teapot at the Pine Bar and did so with the intention of poisoning Mr Lipinenko. In 2013, businessman Alexander Perepichilny collapsed while out running near his home in Surrey in England. Doctors found he had traces of a chemical found in a poisonous plant called gelsemium, or heartbreak grass, in his stomach. At the time of his death, he was helping uncover a money laundering operation involving Russian officials. In 2015, journalist and coordinator of the Open Russia Foundation, Vladimir Karamuza, was hospitalised for his first suspected poisoning. Heavy metals were found in his system after his kidneys, heart and lungs failed and he fell into a coma. He survived, only to find himself again in a coma with similar symptoms two years later. His doctors have told him he won't survive a third. In 2018, former Russian double agent and Russian army colonel Sergei Skripal and his daughter Yulia were found unconscious in a park in Salisbury in England. They'd both been poisoned with a nerve agent called Novichok that investigators found on the doorknob of their home. Either this was a direct act by the Russian state against our country, or the Russian government lost control of its potentially catastrophically damaging nerve agent and allowed it to get into the hands of others. 
That same year, Pyotr Veselov, a member of the band Pussy Riot, who'd been jailed for their anti-Putin activism, lost his sight, speech and movement in a suspected poisoning. Doctors were never able to establish what that substance was. All of these assassinations and attempted assassinations are presumed to be linked to the Russian authorities. But of course, it's never proven. Despite the lack of proof, though, it is widely believed in the international community that poisoning is one of Russia's go-to ways of dealing with those who don't toe the party line. So why would they continue with it, even though they come under scrutiny every single time? Professor Mark Adele, the Hanson Chair in History, Historical and Philosophical Studies at Melbourne University, explains. Well, I think the easy answer is that it terrorises opponents and you establish that people should be worried if they speak out against either the regime or, in some cases, if they go over to the other side when we're talking about intelligence operatives. And as long as you can deny that it was you, there will always be reasonable doubt about who did that. I mean, the latest in the Navalny case, the German doctor said he was poisoned. They're quite sure of that. And the answer from Russia is we don't accept that finding. (laughs) I mean, you just deny it. And that allows you to continue doing it in a way, I think. Have there ever been a time where they've been an investigation that has proven that Russian authorities are behind some of these poisoning attacks? Well, in the case of Sergei Skripal, I think it's quite clear that it was Russian military intelligence. But even in that case, there's still the question, are these rogue operatives who are going after an enemy of their security services, or was that ordered from the Kremlin And the short answer is we simply can't know, right? But that's the whole point of having secret services is that they're secret and that you can then deny and obfuscate and come out with all sorts of sometimes quite harebrained theories of why this was the CIA or something. So basically you're saying poisoning kind of gives them big bang for their buck because it's a terrifying way to potentially die, but also gives them plausible deniability because it's so hard to trace back to them. Yeah, I think that's right. It's easier to not be seen administering it, right? If you shoot somebody, you actually have to be there physically, while with poison you can potentially administer it in a way that you are already off the scene when the victim is getting in contact with the poison. Well, if you go and gun him down or something or stab him or whatever terrible thing you might do, it's much harder to not leave traces, particularly in our world of, you know, everybody having a camera on their phone and so on. Plausible deniability is a very powerful thing. One of the reasons that experts believe Russia continues with poison is their history. Back in 1921, Vladimir Lenin established Laboratory 12 on the outskirts of Moscow. This lab would research and manufacture poisons, drugs and psychotropic substances, some of which were tested on humans. Prisoners from the gulag exposed to mustard gas, ricin, cyanide and other toxins. This lab is thought to still be in use today and is responsible for the creation of biological and toxic weapons for clandestine operations. So while all this seems like a good spy novel, for some who dare to speak out against the regime in power in Russia right now, being taken out by a secret agent with a cup of tea is a very real possibility. 
любой человек, который занимается... Anyone who is engaged in opposition activities in Russia can be arrested or killed. This thought gives me no pleasure or joy, I assure you. But it is a simple choice. You can be silent or you can speak. Taking into account all the risks, I continue my work. It's not totally clear, I think, what the mechanism is which makes somebody a victim. Because Navalny, of course, has been speaking out for a very long time. And there's nothing he's done recently which was more outrageous than anything he did before. In many ways, he's been somewhat more quiet than he had been in years past, where he did major investigations into the corrupt practices of the regime and so on. What seems to be the case, though, at the moment is that with what's going on in Minsk, a lot of people in the Russian establishment seem to get quite nervous about this. And because he's not the only opposition figure who's suddenly under pressure. So that might explain the timing, but this is complete speculation given that these are opaque decision-making processes behind the scenes, which we do not know. But yes, if you're a Russian opposition figure, that's a dangerous business. You might find yourself in jail for a long time, or you might find yourself assassinated if you're particularly unlucky. That's all for The Quickie today. This episode was produced by Melanie Tate with audio production by Ian Camilleri. If there's a new story you'd like a little more backstory on, you can shoot us an email, thequickie at mamamia.com.au or find us on Facebook, Instagram or Twitter.